It's time for the latest in sports debate. The hottest topics, the biggest question marks, answered right now. This is The Critical Eye with Erie Sports Now's Isaac Petcash. All right, all right, all right. Well, what a day. It is the pilot episode of The Critical Eye. Isaac Petcash with you here as we are getting set for well, we hope to be an exciting sports podcast series. There's a lot to talk about, whether it's fall, winter, spring, and who better to have on episode number one than PA Sports Network host Joe Lineski and Erie Sports Now analyst Jovan Johnson. Joining us, I might ask that, from Miami, a birthday trip. Uh, Jovan, we were talking before the show. I need to find better friends because I don't know uh, how I can get gifted a trip like that for my birthday, but... Uh, Clearly, Jovan, uh, you've got uh, good friends in the right places, evidently. Yeah, definitely. Girlfriend, she she take good care of me, so I can't really complain. Hey, listen, listen, we'll take it, man. I uh, appreciate you being on here with us, Joe. You as well. Uh, Jovan's in Miami, uh, and the Buffalo Bills will take on the Miami Dolphins coming up this Sunday. We're going to talk about them in just a bit. But, folks, we start with – a game that, you know, could potentially have some playoff implications. It's Pittsburgh, Cleveland. We all know the story. We all know the last time these two teams came out, it was a bloodbath. Pittsburgh decided to throw the game away with five turnovers. If they have three turnovers, they probably win. If they have four turnovers, they probably win. But nonetheless, that's nowhere the wiser. Cleveland coming in four and three, Pittsburgh three and three. Guys, not going to lie to you, I don't really – feel optimistic about either of these teams uh, what do you make of this game I feel like it could be some sort of a hodgepodge of players put together uh, and I, I let you guys both jump in if you want I mean this just feels like an odd setting for a week eight game between these two rivals I think it's interesting the quarterback play and you know all of a sudden the the trajectory and how it feels as if it's it's all of a sudden changed and and you wonder Jovan, if, if this isn't a come-to-Jesus type moment for the Cleveland Browns, and when I say that, it will be a lot easier, I think, to rationalize the future of Baker Mayfield um, if you can almost use injury as more concern than, say, performance. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Baker Mayfield has to show and tell. Like, this is a big game for him to come out of the woodworks and show that he belongs as a number one starting quarterback in the NFL. If he's expecting to make $30, $40 million a year, he has to show up in this game. This is this is a the game where, you know, the, the Browns fans are expecting for the Browns to go out and dominate the Steelers because they're a division rival. You know, for years, the Steelers have owned the Browns. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Jovan, let me chip in on that, guys, because I, I, I have a little bit. I don't want to say of a beef with Baker. I think he's been fine this season. Uh, I think generically, when you look at the season, he's completing 67 percent of his passes. Yeah, that's great. He's got fifteen hundred yards. Uh, his passer ratings up near 100. But, you know, when you look at Baker's career, guys, he's won one big game. One. I mean, he's beaten Pittsburgh. And I think the knock on him is he's good, but is he good enough? And, and I think the problem that you're running into with, with Kevin Stefanski and crew now is I think you look at Case Keenum last week, 
I don't know if the difference, the level off between Mayfield and Keenum is big enough at this point for the Browns to give this guy a big contract. I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I really, I worry that this is a make or break game for Baker in a generic sense because this year he has not won the big game. I think the problem, and I think this is a gigantic problem, and I've, you know, my forte of bad analogies, but I think this actually is, is a pretty, pretty good one in this instance. Um, a brain surgeon is a doctor, and so is a veterinarian. They're not paid the same, and yes, they're both doctors. Now, Baker Mayfield is a, not a veterinarian, but he's a lot closer to a veterinarian than is a brain surgeon. I don't think that I don't think that the Browns can be held hostage of this notion of, oh, he's a quarterback, so we just have to pay him like an elite quarterback. And that's where the reservation for me comes from. So I think that's where the reservation with the Browns come from. Um, you know, yes, he is a quarterback just like Justin Herbert or just like Kyler Murray or just like Aaron Rodgers. But Joe Vaughn, that's where the I think that's where the similarities stop. I mean, he's yes, he's a quarterback, but I don't think that he is an elite quarterback that warrants that type of financial commitment that then you become, you know, say the Packers or even the Steelers for that matter where you've got so much money invested in your quarterback that re-signing anybody and certainly signing free agents uh, becomes you know financially impossible. Well, can I jump in there, Joe Vaughn, before you go here? Because I, I think this is interesting. I, I want, I'm, I'm interested if recency bias has anything to do with what Cleveland will do. I mean, we know Baker and his limitations. Clearly, he's had success the last two seasons, albeit he's had great running game around him. But Joe Vaughn, I mean, you look at the list of former Browns quarterbacks, even in the last five years, Brandon Whedon, Jason Campbell, Brian Hoyer, Josh McCown, Cody Kessler, Deshaun Kaiser, uh, not Cinderella's of the NFL. I mean, is it, do you see Cleveland potentially looking at Baker and saying, yeah, ain't great, but we haven't had a great track record as of late, so maybe we'll just pay him. Yeah, I think they wasted a lot of money, um, quite honestly. Um, draft picks, Brandon Weeding. I mean, what what has he done for you? He didn't do much. Um, Jason Campbell's of the world. He just kind of got you through. I mean, you get Baker Mayfield out of that group. He's probably the best quarterback of the guys forementioned, but is he an elite quarterback? I think absolutely not. I think the Browns are looking at this as, you know, maybe they can lowball him and get him to sign a contract you know, in the in the twenty million a year range, you know, I don't think they pay him elite quarterback money. He's never going to be on a tier of of Kyler Murray, who's a, a young up and uh, coming star, or or Aaron Rodgers for that fact, who's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, who you know took the number one team in in the NFL and beat them last night. So, I mean, do you pay him? Maybe, but he's just going to continue to just kind of fly under the radar. He's never going to be an elite quarterback in my opinion. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, guys. It was really awesome getting to watch the uh, future quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers dice through Arizona's defense last night. That was, that was pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> you're not on that Kool-Aid. Oh, you? You, you know what? You know what? I'm, I'm slightly, everybody's going to have a shot in the dark, right? I mean, 
I I just you see him on on other shows. You see him super happy with Mike Tomlin. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin likes talking about A Rod much more than he likes talking about USC. That's what I learned this week. So uh, I'm on. But, that you know, let me ask you this question because I think this is important. And you know, you mentioned the USC thing. Uh, you know, everybody wants to send James Franklin to LSU. Well, leaving Penn State to go to LSU in you know the Big Ten East versus the SEC West. It's like jumping out of the frying pan and right in right into the fire. Well, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you have to be paying attention to the Browns, the Bengals, and the Ravens. Why would you go to Pittsburgh? That that makes absolutely no sense in terms of a path of, of least resistance. If if your legacy is why you're making that move, if you want to get to the promised land, you know, going to the AFC North if you're Aaron Rodgers doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't care how good that roster is or isn't. Well, I think I, I think my problem with it is is I look at Rodgers and I think to myself, this is he's a moxie guy. We know that. I think he's a quarterback that, like Ben Roethlisberger, although younger and more efficient, I, he's a guy who needs a lot of things around him. You can call him a diva. You can call him what he wants. Pittsburgh, I think, has what Green Bay doesn't. They have a very solid defense. They do not have a Devontae Adams, but they've got a good complement of wide receivers. You get guys like Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Who knows if James Washington's going to be back? I don't know about Juju Smith-Schuster, but I think I mean, it's a conversation for a different day, but I'll, I'll tell you what, guys, I, I don't think that that's that far off. But um, I will live in my pipe dream for another few weeks, and we'll, and we'll see what happens. But regardless, for Pittsburgh, the team that – is here now and the team that will be playing on Sunday. Uh, listen, Ben Roethlisberger's got to step up. I don't care who you are. I don't care how well Najee Harris has been running the ball. That Browns front seven has gotten progressively better while their secondary has gotten progressively worse. I think Ben needs to have his best game potentially all season if this team wants to win on Sunday. That's a good question, Jablon. What happened to that Brown secondary? There's a lot of draft capital there to be very average. What's the problem? It's gone. I, I really think that they they just haven't found the niche to to be able to jam together. Have some some really good, talented young players in the secondary. But as you all know going into the NFL versus playing at the highest levels in college is a completely different ball game. I mean, the, the margin of error is very, very slim. Um, and, and you have to be on top of your game week in and week out. It's not like lining up against a Northwestern or, or Purdue and, and only having one guy that you got to worry about. Every guy that lines up across from you was a four, three, four, two guy in college. That was the man on his, on his college team. So, I mean, you got battles every day. So those guys, probably just need to, some more time to jail. and But you would think that they would have made a lot more plays with the front seven that they do have. So here comes the question then for this weekend. I, I want to get both of your guys' takes on this because we know Roethlisberger has not had a great season. Joe, you've mentioned a million times. He's not on the back nine. He's on the 18th green, and he's probably making the last putt at this point. I mean, is there any way – as we move to the second half of the season here, and whether it's this game or other games, that Ben can bounce back. He's got the weapons. Uh, how does how does a how does a thirty nine year old quarterback bounce back? Well, I think I think that you know, and we've talked about this at nauseum. You know, running the ball is is one thing, but 
you know, timing on an offense is, is really important in terms of being on schedule or ahead of schedule. And it's first down efficiency. Uh, you know, if they could, I guarantee you, if they would have a quarter where, they're, you know, they were averaging six and a half yards of play on first down, people would think that Ben found the, the, the fountain of youth. And that would simply because second and three, second and four, as, as Joe Bonwell knows, defensively, the playbook is wide open and, you know, you're almost neutral. You're not playing downhill. You're not, you're not necessarily expecting the pass. So, you know, you're almost in, in, in no man's land. And I think, you know, when down a distance efficiency has been as poor as it has sometimes for the Steelers, I think that makes, you know, that really exposes the wart. And of course the wart is, is father time with Ben and I think I think it has everything with the inability to set themselves up second and short. Yeah, that that's a very good point there. I, I agree with you. Um, winning first down is is the major thing that Pittsburgh has to improve on. When you get Ben behind the sticks, defenses are licking their chops because they know his arm strength is not as strong. He's not as mobile anymore in the pocket, so he's kind of like a sitting duck back there. Uh, gonna bring pressure they're gonna dial it up uh, when you're behind the sticks but when you can get into second you know Jovan I, I want to ask you really quick I want to jump in here uh, this is my take on the Steelers offense I, I don't think Jovan I don't think I, I, Joe, I don't think teams believe Pittsburgh can still run the football. Is, do, do you do you see that? I mean, I, I think teams are still doing what they did last year with defenses. They're jumping up in the box. They're forcing Roethlisberger to make some throws that he just can't make. I mean, is that what you sense? Teams just don't feel Pittsburgh can still run the ball effectively. Yeah, I mean, you you bring in Najee Harris, uh, first round talent at running back, and for the first few weeks you barely use them in the run game I mean granted the offensive line needed to uh, get better and and get some some time under their belts but you know those guys have some time invested now and then Najee started a game track uh, running the ball so you 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 use them uh, in the running game more and then they also use them in the passing game more and he's had success but the the problem lies is teams are going to stack the box against them and make the guys on the outside, the Chase Claypools of the world and the Juju Smith-Schusters and Deontay Johnson and those guys have to beat guys in one-on-one coverage. And I don't know if if any of those guys' name, minus Deontay Johnson, can get that done. And I think everybody else in the NFL knows that as well. All right, guys. Um, I, I, I want you to pick the game. I, You know, I keep going back and forth on this. I, I look at this game for Cleveland, and I think it's almost bigger for Cleveland than Pittsburgh. I mean, I know the Steelers are, uh, to me, not a playoff team, but I like Cleveland in this game, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I think Pittsburgh leads for three and a half quarters. I really do. I think you've got the elements that's going to play a part. Cleveland, I don't think, will be as poised early on if Mayfield's able to play. So Cleveland's going to win this game, but I think Pittsburgh keeps it interesting and they've got the lead. What, what do you guys think for this game Sunday? I mean, I think that the, the Steelers and, and, and the Browns have a little bit more in common than I think either fan base would, would like to admit. 
I think to me, it comes down to quarterback play. And the one thing that the one thing about Roethlisberger that historically has always been great is that, you know, he, you felt that sense of confidence and you felt that they would be able, they would be able to win the day. They would be able to march down the field. You know, Ben, Ben just had that aura about him. I think, I think Pittsburgh gets off to a faster start and he looks a little bit, you know, younger. And I, I actually like the Steelers from the standpoint. And, and you know, I, I could be wrong because this is a gut, not really a thought. I just, I just think he's going to play better because I think the odds of him playing like for an afternoon that gets us excited are long overdue. I mean, they were 11 and 0 last year. And there was legitimate conversation that he was the MVP. But since then, what's their record? And again, the odds are in his favor to have a game that makes you think he's found the fountain of youth. I I tell you what, this game is going to be very interesting in my opinion. I think if Baker Mayfield plays, the Steelers win. And if, if Case Keenum plays, the Steelers lose. I think... Case Keenum did a more effective job of going out and competing and getting guys the ball in space, able to run. And Dearness Johnson played outstanding in a run game. I think if Mayfield plays, he's nowhere near as effective as Case Keenum was. I think the Steelers win if, if Mayfield plays. Man, you are you are just putting a hurt, Jovan, on Cleveland fans that want to see their guy back. You, you know, I don't even know about that. I will close with this with Steelers-Browns. I'm not even so sure the media in Cleveland, the people in Cleveland are that mad ba- Baker's out. Uh, I I don't necessarily know if they see a drop-off. Uh, and, and it just makes for such an interesting conversation. You know, I, I was thinking to myself last week when Mayfield was ruled out of Thursday's game. If I'm a Browns fan... No big deal. No big deal. And we saw that on Thursday when Cleveland beat Denver. Listen, this team runs the ball. They're not flashy. You don't need a superstar. And I think Kevin Stefanski and company starting to realize that slowly but surely. Just my sense. Well, I think obviously when you've got the two running backs that, that they do, you know, your need to, to throw the ball is, is not, is not great. You know, I mean, I think that when you, when you look at the way that they have the ability to dominate the the point of attack, and of course, you know, Willis, Wills and Conklin, you know, both, both sides of the ball, you know, you got to look at, you know, is it, does it make financial sense to tie yourself to a quarterback? I mean, do you, does it make sense when right now is the way that you're currently constructed? I mean, even if you had, Mahomes or or Kyler Murray I don't think with the group that they have and with the way that they're built I don't think any quarterback there is going to come in and throw it consistently 50 times a game I just don't think that's their identity well let's see Joe what say you on that yeah I agree with them there I mean you don't need to no quarterback coming in to Cleveland is going to need to throw the ball 50 times because you have those two monsters of running backs in the backfield. But at the same time, when you pair those guys up, the quarterback, whoever that may be, with guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, you have weapons on the outside. So the run game can open up the pass game like we talked about weekly. If you run the ball effectively, 
the passes will be there for you. All right, we're going to see. Um, I like Cleveland. I don't think it's going to be as lopsided as people think. I think I don't necessarily think Pittsburgh's talent, but I think for Cleveland's miscommunication. All right. Well, like we said, Jovan Johnson's in Miami. By the way, John Lydic and I will be in Cleveland. We got approved for credentials on Wednesday. That'll be a one o'clock game. We'll have the NFL end zone at 1030 WSCE Erie News Now. Join us. You don't want to miss it. All right. You also don't want to miss Jovan's birthday party. That's in Miami. If you're in the area, the Buffalo Bills play in Miami in Buffalo on Sunday in a game that will end about 43 to seven by the end of the second quarter. You know, guys, I keep hearing this week from a lot of my friends who are not Bills fans. Oh, you look at four and two, but but the teams they lost to. The only good two teams they play, they lost to Pittsburgh. They're three and three. That's the second best record team they play. Oh, they lost to Tennessee. It's the only team with a winning record. Their wins, Kansas City on the decline. Houston, eh, they're a bunch of, bunch of bologna sandwich men. Washington, eh, they're overrated. Taylor Heineke can't throw a football. Miami, well, the Tua, Tua ain't the answer. You know, I think we are getting to a point with Buffalo that we were with New England a couple of years ago. New England, to me, never got the credit, partially because people hated Brady, but also partially because the Patriots never had the schedule, right? They play in the lowly AFC East. To me, you look at the rest of the schedule for Buffalo, nine of 11 games that they play are against teams currently with a sub-500 record. Who cares? They're beating the teams on their schedule. And this is going to be a number two or three seed. I, I, am I crazy to think that the people who are saying Buffalo is overrated because their two losses are against the only two competent teams? That to me, this is a top three team in football, and I and I don't understand why people are almost giving them the New England treatment that we saw with the Patriots a few years back. Well, they are they are the beneficiary of the New England schedule, and I, I mean I. The, the thing that I would complain about most if I was in the AFC is not that the, not that the bills are, are, are great or the bills are bad, but they play in a lousy division. And then you have to go to Buffalo because they're the one seed and freeze your tail off in a like effect snowstorm. I think that's what I'd be complaining about. Um, you know, it is rather remarkable when you think about it with, you know, now it just seems as if they have switched sides here and, you know, the Patriots stink, but you know, are there more poorly run organizations in, in professional sports than the jets and, or the Miami dolphins? I mean, they have been so bad for so long and they try and re reinvent the wheel and they're hiring and firing coaches. They're all, they're in constant pursuit of quarterbacks. And it is rather advantageous to a, a good team in that division because you're almost assured with the Dolphins and the Jets of at least three, but most likely four divisional wins. You know, Jovan, you, you made a good point earlier. I, I, I did make the note when you pointed out teams that were lowly offensively, you just happened to pick Purdue and Northwestern. I won't ask you why, Mr. Mr. Iowa Hawkeye, but did you see that in college? I mean, we know the difference between the Big Ten West and the Big Ten East, and of course, divisions are always formulating around, but it just seems like there are certain teams that get lucky, and I don't think we should be punishing them for that. No, I mean, I, I agree with you there. You you play who's on your schedule, um, but at the end of the day, 
you know, once it's all said and done and, and everything kind of shakes out, you still have to play those top tier teams. It doesn't matter how you look at it. People could criticize Tom Brady and the New England Patriots about their schedule until they're blue in the face. But at the end of the year, when the playoffs come, they still beat the teams that were in the playoffs that were considered the best of the best. No, it's no coincidence that they still won Super Bowls after having the, the schedule that they had. Same thing in the Big Ten. I mean, when you talk about the Big Ten, Ohio State, they, they've been the, the pinnacle of success in the Big Ten, especially in the East. They've ran through the, the conference annually. I mean, and then in the Big Ten West, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, you know, and, and, and them teams like that are, are kind of up and down. The, the Big Ten West, I think, is far more competitive. Uh, but now that Michigan and Penn State and Michigan State are, are starting to play really well, now Ohio State has to look in the mirror and, and see who they really are because now those teams can compete with them. So, I mean, I, you, you play who's on your schedule, but at the end of the year, you got you to gotta play the best of the best, and then you'll find out what you're really made of. Guys, this wasn't on our schedule, but I think it's worth talking about the Big Ten in a second. But quickly, I want to get your picks. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt as who's going to win today, but uh, rather Sunday. But, I mean, score, score predictions for the game against Miami and what should be a blowout. 42-13. You took mine. All right. Copycat. Jovan, what do you like? I was going to go with something along the same line. 42-14. <laughs> do we say great minds think alike? Man, two attack by Aloha. What a, what a snake-bitten fella. His team about to drop to unless, one and seven. Unless, unless somehow Deshaun Watson gets traded between now and then, and you know, maybe then the Dolphins have a puncher's chance. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if four first round picks and a couple of other assets Miami has enough to be able to go off of. But, uh, hey, I heard there's another team in Pennsylvania named Philadelphia that's got a few of those. Anyway, regardless, one can dream, right? Jalen Hurts, hope you're not listening. Anyway, uh, let's touch on a couple of big college games this week. We'll, we'll start with Ohio State and Penn State. But, but guys, I, I want to first get your thoughts on the James Franklin situation for all the Penn State fans listening out there. You heard him in his weekly press conference this week. If you didn't get a chance to listen, when he talked about the big game that he was playing this week, he said, my one focus is on Illinois and the big house, which is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Last I checked, he is playing Ohio State in Columbus. Do you get the sense, Joe, that this is a guy, and I know he switched agents in the offseason. Maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't. This seems to be a guy who is currently on the verge of two different mountains here, and he's trying to pick the right one to jump to. I'm going to take a different approach. Um, I know, and I, I joked on my radio show, that if the Penn State job came open, I think James Franklin would be, would be the odds-on favorite of getting that job. That just seems to be when a job comes open, he's the odds-on favorite. But James Franklin and his staff have a policy, and we saw it very subtly talked about this week. Jordan Allen, the kid from Louisiana, went on a visit to Old Miss. Once you verbally commit to Penn State, they – you're not, uh, you're not allowed, essentially, to go anywhere else. And then, basically, they rescind their scholarship to you. You know, they, they let the kid make it sound like he's decommitted, but he 1,000% visited Old Miss and, as a result of that, lost his opportunity. 
Now, remember, they still have, you know, the number one quarterback in the country in Drew Lar. They've got Nick Singleton. You know, they've got a lot of, you know, Caden Saunders. They got a lot of really high end dudes. I think this is more smokescreen than anything else. Or maybe it's James Franklin trying to leverage. Because wouldn't the opportunity, especially considering it literally just happened with Jordan Allen, you know, basically decommitting, why would he then, if, if it was James Franklin was the issue, why would he at that point not speak up and say, well, you know, I'm not confident that he's going to be there and, you know, that's the guy that recruited me and blah, 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 blah. I, I think it's much to do about nothing. I think Mel Tucker is going to, you know, they're going to go back to the Michigan State well at LSU. And I, if I were Eric Bieniemy, I'm I am packing my bags now for Southern California. And then there's the other side of the, the more realistic side of the co- uh, coin, is that Penn State has lost two of their last. Well, they've lost two in a row, and Ohio State's probably going to hang a fifty burger on them on Saturday night. And you got to ask yourself if you're writing a big check at USC or writing a big check at LSU. Is this really the guy that we want? I mean, right now, what have you done for me lately? Certainly, that's not the answer. But I think I think if you really want this, and I think Joe Bond will agree with me, if you really want to get a, a, a sense. By the way, 247 Sports just did their top 12 commits that are most likely to flip, and not a single one of them was out of state college. So, again, if James Franklin is leaving, the likelihood of keeping that class together that's number two or number three in the, in the nation is zero. So I don't think he's going anywhere because usually the recruits know first. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. I think James Franklin will be at Penn State. I mean, when you talk about, you know, the Penn State football team and where they were at the beginning of the year as opposed to where they are now, I think they I think they were front runners. I think, you know, the game against Iowa, you know, both teams ranked really high. I really honestly, and I was my alma mater, I didn't think either team was very good offensively. I think Iowa's defense is good and Penn State has a good defense, but neither team offensively is, is, is outstanding to be warranted as one of the top teams in the country. When you think about top teams in the country, you know, the, the Alabamas and, and the Georgias, they can score points whenever they feel like it, you know, and, and neither team was that good. So to think that James Franklin would be getting a job at USC or LSU, I don't think he's going to be the highly talented, uh, touted, coach going for uh for those jobs i think they're going to look more towards you know guys that are hot right now and and uh pitt state's not hot right now to think that they have ohio state coming up and you're already talking about it illinois that that's a red flag to me i'll i'll end with this because we're running out of time but i'll add my two cents on this if james franklin's fully committed you don't lose a game like that to illinois you just don't you coming off a bye week. This is a two week. This is a team from two weeks removed from the Iowa loss, coming off of a bye week. Sean Clifford, albeit not 100%, comes back. Now he was healthy relatively for the Illinois game. You can't lose that game. And the question that I have, as James Franklin looks at Penn State and he looks at the rest of this season, not a lost season. You can still make a New Year Six bowl game. You're not going to make the playoff. Is the ceiling? at the ceiling. And what I mean by that is, is he hit as high as he can go. And you look at this team and where they were a couple of years ago to where they are now. Yeah, they're a good team. Are they a great team? Are they that great program? 
right now you're sitting with two losses. You're a 10 win coach, James Franklin, but Jim Harbaugh in Michigan is getting flack every year for being a 10 win coach. You got to win the big games and eventually it'll catch up to you. All right. Final thoughts, guys. Um, I, Bold predictions here for this weekend, uh, whether it's college or NFL. Is there anything that you think could be uh, talked about? The big talking point on Monday in your mind, Joe, we'll start with you. If you can envision into a crystal ball this weekend. Uh, I think I honestly, I think, and I don't know who it's going to be because I've not seen enough to really draw a a really sound conclusion. But I, I think that when you look at the, the Michigan Michigan state game, I think somebody's going to be exposed um, because as you know, Joe one talked about, you know, you play who you play, but you've not really beaten anybody. You've not really been tested. Um, that, that to me, I think is, is going to be a, a really interesting take as to where the loser goes, because again, the, the body of, of, of strength, the body of, of work to this point, is certainly incomplete for, for both schools. They've not gotten into the deep end of the pool. Um, and, and again, you know, Penn State's got a bad loss. Ohio State all of a sudden offensively is really, really good. And I'm terrified at the number that might end up on the scoreboard uh, in Columbus. Now, I'm, I'm going to jump on Joe's coattail on that one because that was, that was the, the first thing that came to my mind. The Michigan-Michigan State game, is one that will show who's really as good as advertised and who isn't. I, I think that's going to be a game where somebody's going to get ex- exposed, um, and, I, and it's going to be a really good game. I think the BYU and Virginia game is another another game where, you know, you talk about two teams that are hot and, and you know, finding out what you're really made of, well, that's a game that's going to be on everybody's radar to see who's really, really good out of those two teams. Let me just make a quick joke before we leave here. Cause you know, me being the funny guy that I am. And I say that completely sarcastically, I think Michigan, Michigan state will come down to special teams. And I remember a game that came down to special teams once. Oh, do you? Yeah. You think ain't they that, punt? You think they punt that, with six seconds left? Uh, history doomed to repeat itself now, isn't it? Anyway, it's going to be a fun weekend of NFL and college. And we have high school on this Friday night, one, a quarterfinals going on. I wanted to get to that today, but uh, again, this show goes wherever this show goes. So we will get to that a little bit on next week when we have our weekly show. We'll also touch a little bit next week on the Chicago Blackhawks and the fallout from that and everything that's going on with that scandal and the results that have come out from that. However, that's it for today. What a good start to the show, gentlemen. I appreciate you doing this with me. And every single week, we aim to please. So if there's any topics, send it in to us. And we'll have our wizardly brains here with Joe and Jovan. Try to answer them as best we can. Jens, this was fun. Let's do this again, hey? Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> You might, might as well. And uh, Joe Vaughn, happy birthday. Uh, wear some sunscreen because I heard it's pretty warm down <laughs> in Miami. We'll, uh, we'll take some of that sun that you've got here upwards in northwestern Pennsylvania as the rain is pouring down on the roof here at our studio yeah. right now. 
I'll be sure to cut down a couple palm trees and ship them back to you guys as I'm at in the, the Miami Heat Arena drinking a few cocktails with Jimmy Butler and company. I'll, uh, I'll take some of those. I'll take some of those palm trees and, and uh, transfer them into a pocket square. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jovan. <laughs> hey, man. Enjoy right. Miami. Happy birthday. You take care. All right. You too, Thank Joe, you. as well. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Yeah. This has been the Critical Eye Podcast. For Jovan Johnson, Joe Lineski, I'm Isaac Petcash. What a way to start off our pilot episode. We will see you all next week. Until then, enjoy your Saturday and Sunday of college and sports action in the NFL.